Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, brace for a fascinating conversation today. With me is IAG's uh, CMO, Brent Smart, and the co-founder and CEO of The Monkeys, Mark Green. I'm not sure we've heard from Mark Green for a while, so this is going to be a great conversation. Brent Smart, you were at Adweek um, recently and were once again talking and espousing the virtues of brand building, emotional storytelling, and you have been, even on MI3 in recent weeks, been a little bit critical of MarTech and technology and lacking differentiation and being vanilla. There's a whole bunch of things you, you've talked about, a lot of people talking about your views, which is a not a bad thing, by the way. We might start with your top-line thoughts, Brent, on what you're doing at IAG. You've got a new campaign coming, and it, it's just around brand building and emotional storytelling, all those things that perhaps the technology aspect hijacks some of the debate or does it? You've got some outspoken views on this. Yeah, well, for me, it's it's really simple. Uh, I think all that matters is what touches the customer because that's what builds brands, that's what leads to sales. So for me, that's always been a very um, obvious and simple thing. What touches the customer must come first and must be your focus. Now, you know, all the tech is amazing. And and you said the word, I don't know if I'm critical of it. I think I'm just a realist in that it's important and it does an awesome job um, doing all sorts of things that we couldn't do in the past. But what it doesn't do is build brands. And for me, it's an enabler and, and not the priority. What the priority is is what touches the customer. Right. But that is probably the opposite to where a lot of the marketing community is going, has been going for several years. What is going on there with your peers? Well, look, I think the, uh, it's been much commented uh, that the average tenure of a CMO is two years and 10 months. So I'm in a bit of strife because I'm about two and a half years right now. So I don't have uh, – the, the clock's the ticking. The clock is ticking. The clock's ticking. But um, so, you know, the tenure of CMOs is pretty short and the patience of CEOs is even shorter. Uh, so I think you are definitely under pressure to deliver results. And I think it, it, it is easier to deliver short-term results through, through sort of digital tactics – um, but but what the great marketers do is they build brands over the long term, which is what, what it takes, right? You can't build brands overnight. And the fact for me is, you know, this month's sales um, are hugely impacted by how you've built the brand over the last year. Um, and I think I think if you don't take that short-term view and you take a longer-term view, then I think you can create sustainable growth. I think you can create, uh, you know, sustainable results. And I think ultimately – um, that's a better place to be in as a CMO. Right, and that's the point. So you've you've clearly, I'm, I'm imagining that you've got that with your group, but when you talk about it's obvious, when you when you say these blanket statements, it's obvious that brands, um, building brands is good for business. At a C-suite level, uh, in aggregate, that's not really the understanding that's going through the, through the pipes. Yeah, true. I mean, I think, you know, again, it's also been much documented and commented upon that we don't have enough marketing representation in leadership teams on boards. I mean, most of them come from financial backgrounds. But I think it's just it's just about having a, a bigger strategic conversation. At IAG, we're a very purpose-driven company. So I've got a CEO who who is very um, passionate about our purpose, which is to make the world a safer place. So as a marketer, how awesome is that, right? I get the opportunity to contribute to this much bigger emotional and visionary thing that we want to do as a company. And I think as a marketer, I can have a huge impact on whether that purpose just lives inside the walls of our company in PowerPoint like most purposes do or actually 
customers feel it and actually, um, you know, it actually lives in the real world and actually makes a difference to customers' lives. That that enables me to have a different kind of conversation and a different kind of relationship with with our with our leadership. There must be some tension with your CEO though, because will he agree with everything that Brent Smart says? Of of course not. Like no no business works like that. But but no, I feel incredibly supported by Peter Harmer, our CEO, and I and I think, look, the thing for me too is, I came into to to IAG with a clear mandate to do things differently and to change it up, which, I, which I've been doing. So I think that's part of it too. I think you've got to be really clear on what's your mandate and, and um, what sort of CMO you're going to be. And I think certainly when I, when I came to IG, I had a pretty clear vision of what I wanted to do, um, which they bought into and have, and have since sort of, you know, let me, let me live that. So, so uh, no, no, really, no, I don't really have a lot of tension with my CEO and my leadership team. And I think that's a big thing. You know, I think certainly for me, I spent 20 years in agencies. This is the first time I've ever worked in a corporate. I, I, there's only certain corporates I'd work for, you know, and, and for me, um, a corporate with a clear purpose is really important. It's become the kind of the cool thing to have a purpose and do purpose of marketing, but we mean it at IG. And, and so I think that really, um, you know, it really helps me be really clear on what I need to do as a CMO. Well, you did mention both of you are, are agency um, guys from for, for, for hundreds of years. And I, I guess, Mark, the the interesting thing for you is that, um, well, both of you are, that's an agency thing to talk brand, right? So the, the, the stone throwers could say, uh, that's what agency guys say is that it's all about brand and forget the technology and the personalization and the customer experience. Interestingly, you're now owned by a, a big customer experience company, but your take on the agency, is that is that sort of a typical agency line and does it get written off as a result? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, actually, I don't actually think it is. I think um, a lot of agencies have lost confidence in their ability, in the ability of creativity to drive brands. And so I think, um, you know, this conversation is a timely one. I think agencies, um, you know, what they did do really well historically was that they deliver, build a brand strategy and then use creativity to kind of light up the market. And I think that is still true of, you know, the opportunity today. The difference today is that you've got a combination of uh, you can employ the art and the science. So you've got the brilliant creativity that can drive uh, connection with a customer, uh, can, you know, deliver ubiquity for a brand. At the same time, you've got technology and digital capability to understand exactly you know, where the customer is at on, during the purchase journey. So I think it's a combination of both of those things today that you can use to kind of drive marketing effectiveness. But across your client base, and unlike Brent, who's obviously very um, uh, astute on the brand building side of things, the there is this temptation for on client side for marketers to go for that short-term results. Brent's talked about it. What, what are you seeing in your conversations across the market? Well, I think I think there's a pendulum starting to swing back towards brand building. You know, I think I think increasingly clients are seeing that um, it's not one or the other; it's a combination of both of those things. And you know, so we're seeing from our clients a, a better understanding of exactly what brand can do to drive sales. And you know, I think um, the likes of Brent Smart, Jeremy Nicholas at Telstra, these guys are actually seeing through the data and analytics. Actually, the combination of brand and retail is what you need to drive sales. And I guess the mix of brand and retail is also, you know, skewing towards brand as the driver. And that's starting to gain a lot of traction. I think that's a really great point that Greeny makes. It's, it's and, not all. And I think, um, 
you know, even, <laughs> even you know, um, I get painted as the guy who's anti-Martech and is all about brand. It's, it's, it's both. It's both. And I think you need to understand when to art and when to science. Insurance is a fascinating, I know it doesn't seem fascinating, but it's a really fascinating ca- category. Tell because, us why, yeah. Brent. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the consumer isn't in market very often. They're only in market when they get a renewal each year. No one thinks about insurance at any other time. So there's real science in, in, in understanding when is someone in the market, when are they open to a product conversation or a retail conversation, but it is a small window. Um, and that's why, again, I get so passionate about brand because when you talk brand, you're talking to everyone in the market, whether they're shopping today or not. But, but in particular, if you're not renewing today, you might be renewing next week or in three months or in three years. And a brand communication or brand connection works in an enduring way. And, and that's what's really powerful about it, what we can't forget about it. And, and that's why the best insurance brands are always in market because it's that ubiquity and kind of awareness that actually drives the, you know, the the outcome. That whole mental availability um, yeah, that's, thing which Aaron Berg does and so, so forth. So I think, I, think, I think marketers are starting to kind of recognise that combination of art and science and and you know, the ability of brand to drive sales and, and using technology to kind of understand exactly what the opportunity is and where where the opportunity lies. So I think, you know, you talked about, um, you know, so we are part of Accenture Interactive and I think, you know, what we're talking about here is that combination. You know, we, we have the capability of using creativity and brand strategy to, you know, light up brands and couple that with analytics and, uh, Martech to actually kind of you know deliver a sale, and I think that combination is what um, we were attracted to in the first place. Gets and, us to the sorry, go on, Mark, yeah. and, and and that's and, and I think it's also just part of it, right? Because this is about you know setting up a brand promise. There is also the second part of it is actually delivering against that, and I think for for us, you know, the the, the combination of what we do and what um, we do now as part of Accenture Interactive is not just be able to build the brand and set the promise, but also to deliver the experience that backs it up. So there's not that um, capability gap whereby, you know, the brand is saying X and the customer experience doesn't deliver against it. But it's a great point to bring up around, you know, your Accenture Interactive uh, peers where they're technologists. And, and if you go to any technology conference, whether it be a MarTech, an AdTech, whatever, they are completely uh, focused on the performance, how we can get a return um, tomorrow or today. And when you talk to them about brand, you, literally the eyes cross. So you would say brand guys might get performance, do performance and the technologists get that longer term play. We've actually got a great example of that with um, Telstra. And we as brand guys were, you know, always highlighting the importance of, you know, doing brand. And what um, Accenture have been able to outline through, they do all run all the analytics and marketing mix modelling for Telstra. They actually have actually been able to highlight the fact that there have been potentially too many me- retail messages in market. So they've started to over-index in brand and product messages, reinvest in brand and the network, and it's having results, getting really great getting great results. So that is a combination of both those two things, you know, the art and the science actually delivering and an understanding of a, from a marketer using, employing kind of technology and analytics to understand and then redeploying it in a way that actually builds a brand and invests in creativity to drive that. The other thing that I think is fascinating on this whole conversation of, you know, do technologists get brand? 
I mean, the greatest technology company on the planet's Apple, and of their trillion dollar valuation, 300, million, 300 billion is the value of their brand. Facebook suddenly run into a few reputational issues. What do they turn to to fix it? Brand. So, so I think what's kind of interesting is that the great technology companies of our time have all realized that product gets you so far and it's got them to extraordinary places, let's face it. But now as they're maturing and now as they're facing reputational challenges, they're all turning to brand massively. I mean, same, same, with, same with Uber. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. had reputational challenges and they've had to reinvest in the customer and reinvest in brand. Do you, Brent, um, have a little bit of at least an educational program that goes on inside your company with the, perhaps the technologists and the performance marketers where you've got to explain how brand works? Because that is, if you've been coming through in a tactical performance channel and out of university where you might be digital marketing full stop or social media or something, you don't have that bigger picture. Do you have these interesting conversations with your, with your peers? I mean, to be honest, I think, I think more happens the other way. Right, I think I think that um, technology is moving so fast and changing so fast that that I would say they spend more time educating us because again, no no one person can be an expert in everything. And certainly, you know, um, you're right. I'm a brand guy, but I, I rely heavily on some um, on some fantastic technical experts at our place who who know way more about search and martech and you know programmatic than I ever will. And I really respect their expertise. But what I try and do is try and show them that there's actually a, a bigger vision that we're all working towards and a brand that we're all building together. But but also to show that it's effective. Um, I mean, Brent and his team and our team at the Monkeys have spent a lot of time writing an Effie paper that actually shows the uh, long-term journey from rebranding NRMA and going back to help. And it's having a great impact in the market. So it's effective and the time spent actually kind of analysing that we'll use to both internally showcase, you know, what we're doing is actually working but also use it to kind of educate other marketers and other agencies that, you know, long-term brand building has an impact. The ratios that Peter Field and Les Binet talk about in terms of 60-40, in, in terms of the IAG, where does it sit for IAG? We're at about 65-35 uh, at the moment in favour of brand building. Um, Field and Burnett say that in financial services you should be 80-20. Right. I think the ratio that's actually the most important ratio, and it's one that you've touched on, Paul, is when you start looking at the percentages that people are spending on MarTech versus media, I think that's – I think what are the figures you had? 20, 28% of a marketer's budget in the US now is going to MarTech, 24% to paid media and 24% to agents. Yeah, that's insane. So so the, the ratio I work really, really hard on is 50% of my budget goes to media. Uh, and, and I think one of the most strategic things you do as a CMO is budget setting. And I think it's, budget setting is not a tactical exercise. It's incredibly strategic exercise. And we make a lot of um, important strategic choices on how we set up our budget – um, but one of my most important sort of principles is that 50% of what we spend has to go to the customer in terms of media and build the brand. Um, and I, I think it's insane to to have anything that's a bigger percentage of your budget than than media. The other thing I'd say too is I think there's been a lot of well, – I think the biggest misnomer in marketing advertising is this idea of non-working dollars. And right. we talk about agency fees and production being non-working dollars. They're the hardest working dollars you can have. Um, and I consider those working dollars and 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 really important dollars. So whilst media might be the thing I, I, I think is most important, my agency fees and, and production are, are right in there behind them because, again, 
they're creating the stuff that touches the customer. They're creating the stuff that builds the brand. So, so Martech is still a large percentage when you, when, when you look at it, but I would never let it be a higher percentage than, than media. But I think, I think the challenge in that is, though, that a lot of the Martech contracts are long-term contracts that, that you signed up to. They're very hard to um, Locked in adjust. Locked software and, as a and, service and, deal, yeah, right? Yeah, very hard to adjust and flex. Media, you can flex. Media is the easiest lever to pull when, when someone comes looking for a budget cut. You can cut it. You can cut. You can cut it a month out, right? You did talk uh, a couple of days ago, Brent, about um, uh, an initiative or something—a decision you made to can all retargeting, for instance. Not, not, not that we've canned all of it, we're, but we've certainly um, dramatically dulled it down, um, and we're continuing. Well, it changes and, the headline and, a little and bit, and we're continuing to test. We're continuing to test it, but um, we, why? We well, we look. We just, again, we just did a pretty simple. Um, control group experiment where we served retargeted programmatic to to one group of customers and we didn't serve it to another, and and if we had to use the attribution models that 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 you know certain people use, they would have told you that we sold a couple of thousand policies to the to the group we retargeted display to, but then we looked at the control group that received no display and we sold twenty six more policies to them. Right. So so that's a pretty simple exercise to show that, um, you know. A retargeted display ad in a category like insurance is not going to tip you into a sale, right? Now, if you're selling sneakers online or, or, or I don't know, something else that's more of a uh, regularly purchased, um, more of an impulse decision, sure, it's got a great role to play. I'd be doing lots of it. But but in our category, specific to our category, I'd, you know, it, it doesn't seem to have a massive impact, but we're still testing it. There are times when it might, like, for instance, if someone's come to our website, done a quote, and that haven't converted that quote to a policy, then a little nudge from a bit of retarget display makes sense. So I think it's about really understanding the dynamics of your category, how the purchase process and purchase journey actually works. And in a category like insurance, it's way more complicated than other categories where where you know you can you can buy 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 through ecom at a, at a on a click, and then that makes a lot of sense. I think to use lots of I'd be using lots of programmatic if I was in that kind of category. So we just talked about media a lot, and this is going to be music to both your ears. So much of the conversation in the market is about media, and there's down waiting about the discourse around creativity and um, how the messages – so what is the media that's carrying the messages and how good and quality those messages are. What is going on there, Mark? We'll start with you. you know, you've, got a, you've got a broad sweep, uh, suite of clients. What is going on in the understanding of, of, of creativity and messaging versus the media and the channel? I think we always start by, you know, what's going to make the biggest impact with the customer? Like what's going to make a dent in the universe and how much money have we got to spend to do that? When you look at it like that, you kind of go take the channels out of it, get to the customer with a message. What's the most powerful way to do it? Creativity is probably a a, a big part of that. Um, We've found with MLA every year we do the uh, Australia Day campaign and, um, most of where people see that is through being sent the work. It's, it's kind of viral. It's being sent um, online. There's a bit of paid media behind it, but mostly it's, um, you know, digital video that's actually connecting with the customer. That's using creativity to drive engagement, drive awareness, drive response. And we get the biggest response in marketing every year when we do that. Why does that not carry across a whole bunch of different clients, a whole bunch of different sectors and campaigns? Because it's just, it's creative still seems to be pretty fuzzy, although you think there's a bit of a turn coming. I think there is. And, you know, I'm having, we're having more conversations with clients that are willing to do that, that are, are, are coming to us 
to do work that uh, earns its unfair share of uh, media. You know, not paid media, but actually media that is earned. And that's the great thing about, you know, marketing today is that, uh, you know, the customer will decide whether they engage with your work or not. And the more more impactful that it is, the more interesting that it is, the more likely that it's going to make everything work. So, Brent, you no, no doubt you've had a thousand of those conversations when you're on agency side. Um, now you've got to practice what you preach. Uh, how are you going with your with your practice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's it's again coming back to the question of why don't we see more creative work? It's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Like it's hard. And you have to be brave in in actually getting to that work as well. And defend it, right? Because yeah. I think corporations um, are, are almost perfectly designed to kill an idea. Um, so so I think you need to be I, – I always talk about, you know, I've got to protect these ideas, shepherd them through the organisation, and, and it does take that. It takes it takes constant vigilance. And the best clients do that. So, you know, Brent being one of them, they not only kind of back interesting work in the first place, but when – you know, when Twitter explodes and goes a certain way or, you know, there's a bit of a challenge with it, uh, they, they wear it and battle it internally to make sure that, it, that uh, you know, people stay the course. And I think that's where the best clients step up. How is you, Mark, working with someone like Brent, who's obviously, you know, got some creative agency, deep creative agency background. That must help uh, in terms of um, trying to prosecute some of the things that you'd like to do, surely. Yeah, it does. Look, I mean, we've got, we're on a journey, right? Like, so we started um, where the brand was a little bit lost and internally, I think, and you know, uh, it probably wasn't uh, in the place where employees actually wanted it to be. So we relaunched the brand, um, repositioned it back to where it, you know, its heritage was in help. Help, yeah. And 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 we've had great success in that. It was what ninety six or something in Sarchi's. When 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 did help? What was your? Oh, the last time I worked on it was probably about ninety nine. Ninety nine, right? And and I think Brent actually worked on it. Then subsequently, when yeah. Sarchi's lost it to M and C Sarchi. There you go. Right. Uh, a few years it's later, wheels and, within wheels. And, isn't and it? so we've gone back to uh, that positioning relaunched it and now it's about to take it up to the next level. I think, um, you know, the work we've been doing has been giving us all the goodwill within the business to keep course and, and go on the journey because they're seeing the results. And so you don't have to rub Mark's shoulders. And so in the agencies that you've worked in and with, um, how are you rating or how do you see how the monkeys operate versus others in the market here and abroad because you've been right around? Oh, well, look, look when, I, when I came back two and a half years ago, um, I, I, I awarded these guys a business without a pitch. It was very clear to me that, that there's no one as good as these guys in this country. And I still believe that two and a half years later. Um, Mark talked about the lamb work and that's why I wanted to hire these guys. I think it's the example in this country of, of work that gets into culture and gets the whole nation talking. And that should be our ultimate goal, I think, as marketers. Because that's a beautiful thing when that happens. Um, you know, I always say I want to do work that's as, that's as equally loved by a can jury as it is your mum. And I think Lamb's a great example of that where it's creatively, you know, very original, very unexpected and, and, and you know, 
um, push, pushing the, the industry forward and the same token, your mum loves it. So with how you guys are working together, is it just around advertising and marketing or does it go beyond? I say that, Mark, because obviously as part of Accenture and Interactive, there's a much broader remit that Accenture talks about it having for monkeys. So is there yeah. customer experience and how does that all work? There, there is. And, and I think um, this also suits probably um, Brent and my agenda as well because I think, uh, you know, we believe creativity in business is like it's a, it's a power, right? And we're working around using brand strategy to set up an opportunity for NRMA. But the customer experience needs to deliver against that as well. Um, So we're working with Brent on not only the marketing side of that kind of brand experience, but also then on trying to transform the customer experience. And I think that's where, you know, creativity, brand strategy and experience comes together to deliver something that... um, can actually transform a business, not just marketing. And what's what's really interesting about that is we, we all work with lots of consultants and, and we're all doing, I think, very similar things. Mapping the customer journey. It's all very sort of, you know, all very sort of classic, the CX playbook, if you like. What's super exciting for me about working with Accenture and the monkeys is the monkeys' ability to take all that awesome, um, robust, data-driven awesome work that, that Accenture can do and then actually putting a creative filter on it. And also the thing that creative agencies are still the best at, I think, is they're great at reduction, reductionism, reducing stuff down to its simplest. Distilling, right? That's yeah. it, distilling. Like, you know, and it comes from, you know, we, 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 do, we still do 30-second ads and we still do posters. And I think that agencies are really, really good at taking all that information, all that complexity and boiling it down to the simple – powerful thing that really, really matters. So for me, that combination, that one-two punch of Accenture and the monkeys becomes really, really interesting and really powerful. Finally, um, Brent, I just want to talk to you about the trial. In the world of Australian marketing, there's not much of it, which is, you know, someone saying, okay, we're going to spend two years trying to prove a brand building procedure. Tell us a bit about what that looks like as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, again, it's for me, it was something that um, felt pretty obvious and pretty common sense. Uh, and that is, you know, we, we, we spend all this time trying to convince, um, you know, le- the leadership teams and boards and things to invest in brand. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's a hard case to make. Uh, and and I've, I've been, um, you know, I'm a real disciple of the Field Burnett School, you know, looking at ESOV, excess share of voice. And it's pretty um, common held wisdom now that if you spend above your market share, if your share of voice is above your market share, you will grow. And if your share of voice is below your market share, you won't grow. Um, now, that's pretty challenging when you when you have a big market-leading brand like NRMA. It's very hard to spend at your, at your market share because we're the biggest. Uh, and, so, so, and, and, and to move the entire media budget to our, our, our share of market level, that's a, that's a massive endeavor, right? That, that's going to take tens of millions of dollars. Quite simply, we are... We are you know, we've found one region where we are going to um, spend in that region at above our market share for two years and we're going to run only brand messaging, nothing else. And then the control group will be the rest of New South Wales where we're just going to keep doing what we do, you know, our current levels of media spend, our, our, our you know, different creative mix that we run. And at the end of the two-year period, we're hoping to show that we get an uplift in that region um, kind of prove the theory, if you like, that 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 spending above your market share and and building brand over the long term will indeed deliver commercial outcomes. The trick there is around the metrics, Brent. How do you prove to your to your C suite 
that has had a business impact as opposed to perhaps just a brand impact? Customer numbers. Just keep it simple. I mean, I think I think in the end, um, you know, there's all sorts of metrics we can look at as, as marketers, but the one that matters the most is are you adding more customers? Are you adding new customers? And particularly in our category and at our in, and in our business, that is a really important metric. Is the one that matters above all else. And you are. And we have been. We have been on NRMA exactly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have been adding customer numbers, which is which yeah. for the first time in seven years, which is very exciting. And, and it hasn't taken two years. Yeah, no, it hasn't. So it hasn't. you know, I mean, there's. Yeah, I, I think back to the the point that you raised earlier around you know this being a two year process. Like it 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 isn't. Like I, I think we've we've actually seen results from the repositioning and rebrand and relaunch of NRMA already. I, I think there's the kind of brand and retail question and the media mix conversation, but the, the the emphasis on message and what you're actually talking about makes a big difference and can lead to immediate sales impact. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. I think there's some good food for thought and some stimulation there for the market and um, look forward to having you back uh, in a couple of weeks to also talk about the monkeys in Essential. We didn't even get there. We ran out of time and there's so much to ask you there, Mr. Green. So much to talk so about. So much. So anyway, next time. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having us. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button to get a free notification every time we release a new episode. Listener.